Welcome, you are listening to Ladies Who Genre, a podcast book club for ladies and not ladies who like to genre now and then. I'm your host, Morgan. And I'm your other host, Noelle. This is not going to be a spoiler-free podcast, so if you'd rather not learn any details about the book, go ahead and skip on past and we'll see you next time. This week, we're discussing We Are Legion, We Are Bob by Dennis E. Taylor. And a trigger warning, if you think you need it, if you don't like the thought of being disassociated from your body, this one is not for you. How are things going on your end, Morgan? They're good. I just got finished reading a fantastic book that we are about to discuss. I <laughs> I really dig this book. I, like, I don't know if that's spoilers, spoilers for our, our literal own podcast, but I'm a fan. So I'm I'm definitely excited to chat about this one. Unlike the last book where I kept on like struggling to continue, I basically had two days of like listening and doing stuff and just just bam, 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 like plowing through chapters. Yeah, I rammed through this one really fast, too. In fact, yeah. I, I read this a while ago, actually, and I, I was like, oh, maybe I could read it again because, like, <laughs> I got through it so quickly. So, yeah, it's it's a captivating book and you're always like, wait, what? What? What is going to happen now? So, yeah. <laughs> that aside, I don't know. I'm having a I'm having a lovely early February. Anything exciting on your end? I'm making a new dress. I'm enjoying the process. I'm actually, like... Normally, I feel like I am slamming my whole person into a giant wall and not moving in any direction. And this time I'm like, oh, this is coming together quickly. Excellent. So that's that is a delightful feeling when that happens. I mean, I have to do a whole bunch of tedious stuff still, but like it's going well. So that's exciting. But that's an excellent combination in my mind with book reading, podcast reading, you know, yeah. having any sort of like audio mental simulation. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. While doing tedious tasks. Yeah, I listen to like probably 16 episodes of my podcast that I'm listening to, which is called So You're Wrong About, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which is a great podcast. Uh, if anybody needs another podcast to listen to, it, it talks to you about things that happened in not really pop culture, but like things that happened to people that we all think we know about from like the 90s and early 2000s. And we're wrong, like stuff like Monica Lewinsky and, you know, like events that happened. So it's it's a great podcast. All right. So for this week's podcast pairing, I've decided to go with coffee, just plain and simple to get stuff done, which is, as you'll maybe hear about, a lot of what this character does. He just he gets a lot done. He does get a lot done. I don't have a top shelf pairing this week because artificial life forms don't need to drink. <laughs> All right. What's our opening line, madame? So you'll cut off my head. I raised an eyebrow with the sales critter, which sales critter. Yep. I, I, what an interesting way to refer to a salesperson. <laughs> I mean, that's what I call them. Sales critters. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think, I think that must have like breezed right on past me. I do remember this sequence where he's talking to a salesperson for a company that does like cryogenic body freezing, except it's not the whole body. It's just the head because they just need them brain bits. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a thing that people who are my age would say because it seems like something that like, I don't know, was on Buffy and, you know, like that that peak age of adopting that kind of language. So, yeah, uh, this definitely, especially the beginning, this book, you realize that not exactly in the same way as Ready Player One, but it does have a lot of pop culture references and he speaks in a very I peaked in the 90s kind of way. 
which resonates with me. If you like Ready Player One, yeah. I think you'll like this too. Yeah. And not in a, oh, they're the same kind of way. Yeah. They are different. I like this a lot more than Ready Player One. Yeah. Uh, but it has a lot of those same nostalgic feels, just a little bit less overt, maybe? I would say a I, lot I less referencing. So you don't need to have in any way... And it's not specific. I don't want to scare people off if they didn't like Ready Player One, I guess. The references are very, very, very well-known things, and they're not very frequent, but they are there. So I, I think that it's part of what I did like about Ready Player One, and so it is actually like a little bit nice to have a little bit of a connection there. The, the guy who reads it is less annoying than Will Wheaton, so <laughs> I was excited. I think I thought the narrator was really good. Yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed the narrator. As we get into later on, he has to narrate a lot of different voices that are kind of the same character. And I, I dig how he does that. Yeah, and I didn't, I when I first started this, I actually didn't know if I would like him or not. And I ended up really, really liking him. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the story and like what the premise of this is? Yeah, the overall like broad strokes story is that we have a character who in the very, I don't know, probably early 2000s <laughs> yeah i don't remember if they give a, a specific date they probably do and i just forgot it that's like a tech guy so that's all that matters yeah, yeah. like yeah. so he's a generic you know tech guy whose companies just struck it rich they sold it off so he's got a lot of money to burn he decides to invest or or sign up with this company that like will cryogenically freeze your body when you die and literally <laughs> dies within a day what's Maybe really funny a few hours what's really funny about it is like you can get your whole body done or if you want to pay less, you can just get your head lobbed off and and froze just freeze your brain. And that is the option he goes for. <laughs> I think that the sales critter, as you put it, uh -huh. uh, as he puts it as well, I yeah. guess, whatever. The sales critter says that by the time we have technology sufficient enough to, you know, re revive people yeah. in this condition, they're going to have the same technology to just build you a whole brand new body. So that's the argument, uh, at least for this guy. And that is not what happens. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. yeah. It gets a new body in a sense. So as you might have predicted, uh, he dies and he immediately, up, like immediately, <laughs> like he walks out the door and gets hit by a car. <laughs> Practically. Yeah. And they make it pretty clear that it's an accident. Like a car is swerving around a bunch of kids who are like walking, jaywalking through the street and it, it ends up hitting him. Right. It's in like, Las okay. Vegas. So people are drunk, you know. <laughs> and he wakes up in, about a hundred years in the future, and he wakes up as a, like a an almost AI sort of body. The character who's waking him up and kind of getting him up to speed basically says that data is kind of the closest example that you could sort of use. Like, no, you're all computer. There's no human fleshy bits left. You're not an android. You're not a cyborg. You're a computer with a human intelligence put into you. Anyways. Yeah, I didn't get that he had a body at all, though. I got that he was like yeah. literally just in a computer. Yeah, uh, but there's, there's, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's no heart, there's no brain, there's no soft tissue whatsoever. Yeah, that's yeah. all completely gone. They and scanned the his they consciousness, this, mm -hmm, like slice yeah. by slice, which yeah, is yeah. interesting. And they talk about how like it's a destructive process. So like once mm -hmm. they do the scan, like his brain's gone. He is now just this like computer program, basically. And they want him to run a space program station thing it takes him a while to get there but eventually he gets launched up into space and the whole goal is to like explore the galaxy explore the universe start colonizing it finding suitable planets for humans to habitat and that's that's really kind of 
the basic premise of the book is he is now an AI out there exploring the universe and honestly having a really good time of it. Yeah. Yeah. They they call him a Von Neumann probe, which is one of the things I really liked about this book is they made sci-fi terms really accessible. So they will every now and then, and it's not over like it's not a lot of them, but every now and then they'll throw something at you like that word. And then he will spend a while explaining to you what that is without making you feel stupid, which, you know, that that's the best. That's like this is accessible sci fi. So if you if you're not into sci fi sci fi, this is a what I would call a beginner sci fi book that will let you like slide gracefully into sci fi. So this von Neumann probe thing is uh, it's, it's anything that is an automatic interstellar probe that builds copies of itself and visits systems. So that is effectively what he's going to do. Yeah. And this isn't actually a term that was made up by this author. It was already kind of a concept in, especially in science fiction. Yeah. But the idea is that you you can't have just one spaceship go out and do the thing. There's there's too many. The universe is big. There's yeah. too many places to be. There's too many. And it takes not just years, but decades <laughs> of traveling at speeds that we currently aren't able to do to you know see what you need to see so the idea is that you want to have machines that are able to replicate themselves and start branching off in a very kind of like fractal way in order to get as much done as quickly as possible Uh, which is cool because they also talk a lot about 3d printing to accomplish this yeah which i don't know 3d printing very cool i'm a big fan yeah it's also they, they say that like the exploration of the universe is like very inefficient if you send out one guy but if you send out a guy who can then go to uh, not a guy but like an, an ai out mm-hmm. and then he can it can find a another place where it can mine the materials it needs to put into its 3d printers and then copy itself to make more of him then you start like branching off and branching off and branching like she said fractaling um and it makes the thing a lot more efficient and it doesn't destroy like as many resources like where you are so yeah it makes you much less dependent on any one place like this machine can go and visit several different asteroids that have the minerals it needs to do the thing like it's just it's a cool concept and it i can see it makes sense I mean, to someone who is very much not like a science minded person. Yeah. But I feel like that's all science fiction needs to do is to like make it make sense within the narrative of the world. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I actually found it very similar to what's that one book? Uh, The Martian. I know that was uh kind of popular a few years back. Like, I don't know anything about space. I don't know anything about Mars. I don't know anything about trying to like plant potatoes on Mars. Right. But the way that the character explains how he's doing the thing he's doing and why he needs to do this step and then this step and then this step makes sense within the narrative of the story and is really satisfying as he explains what his problems are and then how he solves them. And of course, things come up, you know, conflicts and trouble the way any story does. And he figures out how to solve it. And it's all very satisfying. So I feel like this has this it scratches the same itch. <laughs> I really liked it. That's great. The way that he explained it was really great. Like he he made it very accessible without making you feel dumb. And that's hard to do for something like that is such a complicated concept. One of the things I really, really liked about this book was I have a, a minor in philosophy and my favorite, favorite class in college was philosophy of the self which read a bunch of short stories and some of them were very similar to this one. So he gets out there 
And he's got to copy himself and make another him, essentially. And things do not go as planned. And he finds himself surprisingly resistant to this concept. Like, he's like, oh, I don't really want to do this. And every time he has to do it, he's like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. He's like, do I need another me? (laughs) It's funny because it's like specifically to the replicating. Yeah. yeah, Like it's very, it's very amusing. So anyway, he goes out and he has to replicate himself. So he does replicate himself and he finds out that that replication is not him, which is kind of awesome. And it's the unexpected thing about this book. Like you expect when you, when you say you're going to copy yourself and if he's in a computer, if he's just he's like literally just copying the data over to a different hard drive and spooling that hard drive up and having a new person show up essentially also bob and well for a while at least and when he that person comes up he, he you know they have holograms of each other and whatever going on so they can feel like they're real people he has to go through this whole process of like reckoning with the fact that he doesn't have a body and like figuring out how to like deal with the mental health management of that and uh he doesn't always like the guy <laughs> that pops out because that guy has a slightly different personality and sometimes not even slightly like sometimes a lot and i thought that that was hysterical and that is like the twist in this this book and in fact it is a series that that makes me giggle the most like because he has to deal with himself but in a million different formats (laughs) i think that even we ourselves like any random people here listening to this podcast right now i feel like you can recognize within yourself times where you feel different times where you want to be hanging out with folks and times where you want to be sitting in your room like reading a book two years ago you were a little bit more this and now you're a little bit more that like we all have these slightly different cells cells yeah but he he's definitely weirded out by it because it's not like it's not like a clone where yeah. there's the whole nature versus nurture argument where, okay, maybe this clone has a different upbringing. No, it's a copy of himself from literally the day before. With all of his own memories. Yeah. And yeah. so, and then the copy realizes he's a copy. Like they, they invented a whole system for how to tell who was the first, who was the second, like everything. And kind of immediately goes, oh, dang it. Yeah. They're all I'm- disappointed when they're not the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not I'm not original Bob anymore. Wah, wah. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's really interesting how different they are. And they, they do kind of consider what are the reasons for that. In the end, it doesn't matter very much. Right. Yeah. The point is they are mostly the same people with slightly different personalities. Yeah. They it, I as a person who has a philosophy degree, I'm going to try to not get too philosophical on everybody. But <laughs> there's this concept of I versus me in that, which is I is internal and me is more external or physical. So like what is me or mine? Like that is physical things. Like this is my hand. This is my body. But I and is the mm-hmm. thinking part. So it it definitely he never talks about this in the book, but like that's what it brought up to me is like he had to separate I and me from the equation because there's no more me because he's just a computer essentially. So he only deals in the I and every time there's a new I it's different. And I think that that's an amazing way to look at this. I found it just like endlessly fascinating. And so then his his children, Bob, go on to have more children, Bob, and they get even more <laughs> weird and different. And you're like, huh. And then some of them come right back around to like, I mean, he gets along with some of them and other ones of them. He's like, yeah, you could go off and do something else now. Cool. Bye. He's very polite to all of them, though. So I do like that. <laughs> He himself doesn't have a super abrasive personality. So I think that none of his 
descendants, so to speak, has like a super abrasive, a, a little bit of a, a loner personality in some of them. But none of them is super butting heads with each other. And if they are, it's more in a like a playful brotherly way. Yeah. But maybe that comes from them all being the same stem sort of i don't know i don't even know how to talk about this because like we don't this isn't a concept that we really think about very much right there are two of the the children who don't get along with each other very well and weirdly they go off and do the same thing together and you're like oh okay that was a weird decision it's he has a very his base personality is is very attuned to science and to almost like project management and to like getting the most efficient result out of the people who want to do a specific thing the most. So he like lets everybody choose what they want to do. Like people who want to sit around and look at rocks can sit around and look at rocks. People who want to go out and colonize the universe can do that. People who want to go back to earth and check in and see what goes on there can go do that sort of regardless of their personality. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but it actually is rather nice that I don't think any of them None of them are ordered to go do something. No, hey, never. You need to go do this. It's yeah. more like, okay, here's two or three tasks that we kind of need to get done. Here, there's five of us here. Who wants to go do what? And they'll pair off or maybe just one person goes. You know, there there is at least one of the Bob clones that just says, I'm going to literally just go completely in a different direction. I don't feel like hanging out with any of you. The yep. super loner. But like, as we kind of discuss, I, I'm glad that none of them was forced to do any one task. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. It's also interesting in this book, there is like an adversarial thing that happens at some point, not between the Bobs at all. Like they never don't get along well enough to like just rage at each other or anything like they're all very friendly towards one another even if they sort of grate on each other's personalities but there's like one adversary in this book that's like hostile and it's not for very long like this book is not an aggressive book that was another thing that I really liked about it was there's not a lot of space battle like I didn't have to deal with a whole bunch of like this is the thing I don't like about mundane D&D campaigns like you go it's like so formulaic and like a lot of sci-fi is like this too like you encounter a new thing oh crap we don't get along there's going to definitely be a giant battle sequence because every boy on the planet likes giant battle sequences for some reason but (laughs) this book doesn't really have a giant battle sequence it has like one sort of skirmish fight and then there's a whole bunch of like political ins and outs that happen on a different planet but even then he kind of just skirts around it and he's like i don't really want to be involved in this so you don't really have to hear that much about it it's actually fascinating to to read a book that doesn't have bad guys really it doesn't have adversarial relationships it's almost a problem solving book like that's kind of what he's up to yeah and sometimes the problems are that one other probe that it's from another country so yeah. another country did a similar program. And as soon as he launched, this other country was like, oh, crap. And so they launched theirs as well. So they end up kind of fighting it out a little bit. But even even then, so yeah. much of this whole book is just him like logicking out and problem solving through things. Yeah. Which it's really interesting. Even Even the battle sequence is just him making calculated risks and doing the thing. But it doesn't seem like aggressive. Like there's not like... I mean, their I guess stuff does blow up, but it's like it's also really short, which I I really appreciate about it. It's like they had a small battle, we're done, and that's the end of it. And it's not even really a battle; it's just like there are four of them and four of us. Let's see who wins, right? And that's it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a puzzle book, and I I really enjoyed that. It's a puzzle book yeah. that explains sci-fi 
colonization concepts to you in a really interesting and unique way and then also delves into the psychology and philosophy of self a lot which is unbelievably cool like it combines two things that I really love that I didn't really expect when you said hey let's read this book because I was like (laughs) okay (laughs) I did not expect this book to be amazing and it was actually really great like I would highly recommend it did you have any particular I don't know favorite things favorite elements favorite problems that he solved anything I guess the the two guys Riker is the one that goes back to earth right Mm -hmm. Riker and Homer Riker and Homer and Homer's Homer's super annoying because Homer has an avatar of Homer Simpson and basically talks to him like Homer Simpson and Riker falls into the trap of thinking he is Homer without realizing no he's still him so he still has his own intellect and he's just being a jerk um anyway they go back to earth and they have to deal with a post-apocalyptic earth scenario in which they have to deal with a bunch of of humans that need a different place to live and there's still because we're human stupid freaking politics involved in it and he has to navigate all of that and i think that was really interesting i also loved the way that he designed and worked through with his guppy which is his like i don't know what you would even call that like your ai manservant or whatever (laughs) like yeah the way that they kind of sort of explained it whenever they first brought him online was hey ais are not able to mesh super well with electronics from the get-go so we had to design this whole like interfacing system which is guppy and he's sort of visualizes or internalized this interface that he interacts with as a fish-like thing because admiral akbar <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so guppy is actually like an acronym for something this book makes t- constant jokes about just everything being an acronym uh-huh but so guppy is an acronym for something uh, mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's almost like his computer interface buddy uh his alexa if you will it's general unit primary peripheral interface there we go. <laughs> it it lets it, it's it's basically like he gives the orders and it's his number one. Like that AI is then programmed to go do whatever he tells it to do. Mm-hmm. Except it has its own personality and it's sassy and a little bit bitchy. So <laughs> I also really like the part where he figured out that there was like booby traps in his own system that had been put in by the Earthlings because he's put out by like a hyper Christian organization. And yeah, like they, the most radicalized version that you can possibly imagine. Yeah. And they put like basically bombs in in him in his spaceship so that if he went off the chosen path, let's just say at all, then it would just blow him up and he would just die. And Bob is not going to have any of that. And so he figured it out and he figured out how to get around that and how to like fix his own system, which I was like, this is genius. I don't know. This The stuff in this book is really cool. And it's also very, very hard to explain. I I really, really loved the way that original Bob, so to speak, I mean, none of them is original because the actual brain is gone. But theoretically, the original one, he finds a planet with like that can sustain life and ends up just finding a semi-intelligent life form on it that he just becomes like enamored with. He is so into watching these people and discovering what the closest analog we have to primitive human life might have been like. I don't know. It's one of my favorite things about this book is watching him just be so into these people and their life. 
and it flips back to a hundred years in our future, more than a hundred years, like almost 150 by the time they're back. Uh, Riker and Homer are talking with, gosh, I think they said there's there's only a few hundred million people left on Earth. Yeah. At, it's like 80 know, million or something. When there used to be, yeah, you know, 8 million, billion, excuse me, billion. They had a major downsizing. But it's really fun, the contrast uh-huh, going yeah. back and forth between the super primitive early caveman analog people to who are like somewhat smarter and and better equipped to deal with things than the the people who are now (laughs) yeah and it's that that is one of my favorite parts of the book is just him being super enamored with these people so i didn't like that part really yeah because it broke the prime directive which i was just like no you do not break the prime directive and he addressed that (laughs) he did he did address it for sure And I didn't like his way of rationalizing it. He just wanted to play with them. I was like, no, Bob, uh uh-uh, you leave them alone. Like, that's, you're messing with their, I mean, he did fully mess with their evolution. Oh, yeah. And I'm like- 100% did. Yeah. And I'm like, you broke the prime directive, jerk. (laughs) So, I mean- And I don't think he cares. He did not care. Yeah. I mean, he cared, but he also was like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) So while I like I don't mean that that's not part of the book that I don't like. I mean, I don't like that he did that. I don't like Bob in that. I don't like OG Bob for doing that. But like I think it was an interesting as as a, as a concept in a book. I thought that was really awesome. Like he basically went down and played God. And I mean, imagine that. Like <laughs> I mean, this guy did. Yeah. So and then he wrote a book about it. So <laughs> I feel like if I was presented with the same scenario, you have this like primitive life. It's literally like a small handful of villages. It's not a big group of people. No. They are practically extinct, extinct already yeah. because they've been, they're being hunted by a, pr- a rival like gorilla type people. Anyways, they're pretty close to dying out yep. because these, they're real tasty to the gorillas. I, if presented with that same scenario, I feel like I might also have kind of this like, I really shouldn't mess with this. I should let this world just kind of do its thing. But at the same time, if there's like spider mites eating my plants, no, stop it. You know, and I, you know, I, I clear the pest away from my plants. You know, I don't know. We, I feel like we as humans tend to have favorite things that we want to take care of and nurture. And I feel like that's just his, his little nurturing heart doing its thing. You don't break the prime directive. <laughs> but it, it's a fake rule from a fictional show. No, but it's a smart rule, actually. It actually isn't a fake rule from a, a fictional show. Actually, that's like a, a thing that NASA has, too. Mm. They also have lists of planets. I just learned this the other day. I was watching this like Space Nova program, and they were talking about like all the moons and stuff of Jupiter and whatever. And they're like, we actually can't send a probe to land on this because there is some chance that there might be life on it, and we don't want to mess with that. So NASA actually does have like a essentially a prime directive. Like they're not allowed to interfere with other life formation. You can growl at I'm me all saying, you want. I don't know saying. that. I'm just saying I don't think it's what I would do. Okay, and I think that's fair. And I would, which is maybe why I like Bob. Yeah, they're <laughs> judging you. <laughs> and you couldn't stop me because I'd be a giant space robot. <laughs> no, you're just in a computer <laughs> with a bunch of 3D printers. <laughs> they're very good 3d printers yeah they're they're really good they make they can make all kinds of stuff like that that technology is off the chain literally anything that's not alive i don't i don't really understand that like i'm trying to like actually think about a a thing that could do that and i'm like i don't i don't got it (laughs) 
I have played around with 3D printers a little bit, and oh. I get like we are in the most very basic level of what 3D printers are now, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You pick a material, one, yeah. <laughs> whether it's plastic, which is really common, or cement, or even like food, chocolate, like Metal. you know, people are experimenting with those. And then you know you extrude it into a shape. Cool. Right. Like that's our super basic printer now. And he talks about how in, in this book he discusses how like we're hoping to soon be able to get printers that can do multiple materials and stuff like that. Like back in his like pre pre-robot cyborg AI life. He talks about this, the, the next thing, advancement in 3D printers is going to be this and then this and then this. And then he jumps 100 years ahead yeah. where all those advancements have been made. Yeah. And uh, it's so cool. It's so satisfying. It is. One of the things that I kind of, I've mentioned literally like 10 times in the past year is this whole COVID-19 thing. I would love to be able to read a history book. Oh, yeah. 20 years 30 years, 50 years in the future from now mm -hmm. to fully understand in a broader sense the impact of the past year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's so hard in the moment to see what this thing looks like. Yeah. You you really need that kind of broad spectrum view in order to see that all the different little things that lead up to stuff happening and all the little things that then happen because of, uh, uh, I wish yeah. so much that I could have basically the experience that he is able to have. Yeah. He's able to see technology blooming and see where it goes. That's cool. The whole concept of him being able to like essentially live forever too is also kind of like crazy. You're, and you're alone, but you're not alone unless you choose to be alone, in which case that's your choice. And if you ever decide, oh, I don't want to be alone again, you can just 3D print yourself another you, or sorry, you can copy yourself another you and 3D print yourself another 3D printer, which I'm just like, that is the coolest part of this is that the 3D printers can print another 3D printer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And, and you just make yourself another you. So like you can have a buddy when you want to. And when you don't, you can be like, beat it, Bob. And Bob will just leave. And I think that definitely his personality plays into making this work well. Yeah, for right? sure. He's someone who really loves digging into a project and really focusing all of his time and attention to it and being alone for the duration of, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks just to, to focus. Yeah. Like, it totally makes sense that you need a kind of personality as the basis for the system that would work well with it. Yeah. One of the things I did have a hard time with on this uh, in this book is is time, because when we're talking about what's going on, sometimes he's talking about you know, a week went by while this was happening. And sometimes he's talking about 20 years just went by and they're all treated the same. And you get a, mm -hmm. you get a, it's like when you're watching Star Trek and you, they're like, start it, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I don't know what that <laughs> means in relation to anything. So, I mean, and you get a more concrete date as compared to like our timeline right now, because it does seem like slightly more realistic, but it's also like, Oh, if I want to talk to this guy, I have to send a message and that message will take 16 years to get to him and 16 years to get back to me. So and you're just like, oh, whoa, I just, like I read half of the book before I realized the expanse of the time that was happening mm -hmm. in that book. It's like it's it's a long time, like it's hundreds of years, which I just it's one of those things that until you realize it's going on it, like you don't even think about it. And then you're like, oh, crap. And it blows your brain. <laughs> But it makes sense, right? Yeah, Sp for sure. Space is huge. Space and I feel like it's one of those big. things that <laughs> it's so easy to not really think about. But I appreciate that it is brought up over and over that even though they can go hella fast uh, in these ships and not have to worry about some of the different factors that we would need as humans traveling through space, it's still a long ass time. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think he's going like almost the speed of light. Yeah. Or, or something. Yeah. Some, I, I, some fraction I of it. They don't talk a huge amount about like exactly how fast he's going or not like i think they say like oh i'm going at 0.7 the speed of light at one point and that's how i'm going to get there that fast because i'm a machine and i can do that and there's no life on here if there was life on this this boat it wouldn't work and that's in relation to when he has to ferry all the humans off of earth because he has Mm -hmm. to go oh wait this is going to take way longer because there's live people on this thing is there any bobs that you particularly okay so the bobs all have pick a new name like they (laughs) they gestate out of the ether and then he's like pick a name and that bob just knows and has a name are there any bobs you particularly love i mean part of me wants to just chat with like original human human bob but then again i don't know that'd be all all that interesting because he wouldn't know he wouldn't have dealt with all the space stuff yeah i think Riker seems very like practical and reasonable and easy to deal with and talk with <laughs> he literally is the one that chose to go back to earth to deal with the humans so maybe he would like be willing to sit down and chat with me for a bit yeah yeah i don't know i guess i'd i'd ask him like how do you feel about the fact that like there's going to be hundreds of hundreds of years of you doing stuff maybe even more what you know yeah what do you want to do what do, you know <laughs> where do you see yourself in a thousand years <laughs> i'd really like to know what like the you know 52nd generation bob is like you know, mm-hmm. however many copies of copies of copies of copies. Because, like, you you, st- you know how people say you can't, you know, a copy of a copy of a copy is, is degenerative, but this process mm-hmm. isn't really degenerative. And so I would wonder if you just keep getting, like, more and more random bobs or if they would be equally as random as the first set and that's as much as it gets. Yeah. This book only covers, let's see, there's definitely a first generation, a second generation. Like, and I don't know third. if they get much further in that in this one they do i think right because like first generation bob has second generation which is Riker. Riker has homer so that's three mm-hmm. yeah but they they don't get very far yeah they don't get so very it's far hard to say just how yeah. degenerative it gets over time we don't know yet it's fascinating i would i would or to, to pre-answer a question i'm going to ask later I would like to read this series and like find out how far it does go down the hole. It looks like the <laughs> author wrote a, a few of these and then just stopped writing them, hmm. which is interesting. Would, is there any Bob that you'd particularly like to chat with? I guess I would, I would probably want to talk to Mario, who is the one that just like goes off into space forever, like by himself. And he's like super moody and antisocial and be like, how did you get like this? Yeah. I think we even get one chapter from his point of view, if I remember right. Yeah. And he just kind of says, like, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't want to hang out with them. But that's that's as much as he says. So, like, I, I don't know how willing he would be to have that conversation with you. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, he probably wouldn't uh, want to, like, talk because he's antisocial. <laughs> I, I thought it very funny that he chose the name Mario. Because, of course, I think of, like, the video game, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Mario doesn't strike me as particularly antisocial. No. Like, what a weird name to choose. <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's I also find it funny how like Bob was like repelled Im- immediately from this this one. He was just like yeah. I don't like you. Go away. They Like you're literally antisocial. They Why? eventually get like a comms thing going that has I don't know how this works. They do explain it, but I don't I was like wait, what? To they can talk to each other like instantly through through space and time, I guess, instead of having to have messages take 16 years or whatever between them. And I I keep wondering if like that guy answers the phone, like does he? Because they do have like 
Bob meetups, I guess, <laughs> where they all like hang out together and discuss problems or or see if anyone has a solution to something, which very like fun dudes like I, they they get along so well it's really nice so but i wonder if that guy he's like he's the one it's like it's like he got all of his angst at himself essentially out into this one guy and then he went off and mm-hmm. yeah i'm like do you does he answer the phone to be angsty by himself yeah yeah uh i don't know i don't remember uh him interacting with the other bob characters very much uh once he left but who knows, man? He's he's the odd duck. Were there any like plot twists in this? I'm trying to think of any. Um, I think the plot twist that I thought was interesting was that they are so different than he expected. Like he just expected a copy of him, and he, that is not what he got. And you're like, oh, unexpected. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, it was a little bit of a plot twist to, to find out that there was a third country that had done a probe, the Australians. Yeah. Uh, but theirs was not the not very successful unfortunately like they didn't have enough time to properly test it all out so their australian ai probe was just like a spaceship that couldn't do anything oh yeah and the guy on the spaceship was really nuts yeah Yeah. like he did not fare well being essentially left by himself for years and years and years yeah one of the things we like kind of skated over about the beginning was they they did test him for like a significant chunk of this book the beginning for like can you survive being alone in space for quite a while and like and can you like mentally handle it even though you're a computer and we could probably fix that because we did other things to you that were computery i guess this guy did not really like they thought he was going to be awesome because he was like a a single sailor like you know people who go out on boats by themselves for like weeks on end and they thought oh this guy's going to be the one and it turns out he was not the one because he missed his body too much, which that is the thing that would probably. Yeah. And also he like he didn't understand. Yeah. He didn't understand what had happened to him. And he was left completely alone. He didn't have the ability to replicate himself. Like yeah. they, they just weren't that advanced. Yeah. Like, poor guy. It was nice that Bob like, I mean, Bob could have just destroyed him and like put him out of his misery. But Bob like helped him out. Like he fixed, he fixed a program. So the guy thought that he was like, he's basically forever on a boat doing what he loves in his own mind just floating around space now mm. which i thought like that's nice bob's a nice guy that's another thing is i just like bob he's a nice guy he does not seem like a tech ceo though like ha- living in silicon valley i'm like this is not what they're like just so we're all clear <laughs> <laughs> i am curious a little bit more about like what his exact original work was yeah because th- they covered this at the very beginning of the book and it's it's it just brushed past really quick essentially he started up a company with like with friends or with co-workers whatever it started doing really really well it ended up being bought out by like a similar company being bought out was a huge payment windfall whatever made him like instantly rich yeah very exciting and cool there's also this whole like little miniature thing at the beginning where his girlfriend fiance Mm -hmm. maybe something question mark partnered on him yeah maybe like he's hung up on her too yeah like he so he in the beginning of the book he's kind of stressing out about this partner and pretty much completely forgets about her yeah uh once he's a robot yeah right yeah like, i don't yeah. remember it really coming up again no later i think he mentions her like curious. once or something but yeah he, bob's really good at like letting go of his life <laughs> i'm like wow that was actually awesome i think he's he's like that's what we said earlier is that he's really practical so like the second he wakes up and realizes what's going on and the doctor teaches him he's like oh okay well i want to do this thing and so in order to do this thing i have to beat these tests and here's how i beat these tests and he just like executes like 
he's a mission oriented dude. <laughs> so yeah, he is way more future looking than past looking. Yeah, he doesn't spend sure. a lot of time ruminating on his past. He's much more interested in solving the problem right in front of him right now. Yeah, I did find it really sentimental though that they found past or a person who's related to him. I guess Ry- yeah, Riker's yeah. sister's children's children's children. And he got really sentimental with that person and felt really like attached to them and like became friends and like pen pals with that person because he was like, I want to know how like my family line did and stuff, which I was like, oh, I didn't expect that from you, Bob. Like you didn't seem like a guy who would be into that. I guess it was Riker that 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 happened to, but like still. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I think he spread the news to the other Bobs and they were like, oh, we have family. Yeah. Yeah. They got they got <laughs> they were all excited about it. Yeah. Which is cool. Do you have any anything that you didn't like about this book? I I can't really think of anything that like annoyed me as I was listening to it mm. or like, ugh, mm-hmm. I can't believe they did that. Like, I, I really can't think of anything. You? Yeah. There's a couple things. So like. At one point, he's, and this is really nitpicky, but like he just said it and I was like, wait, what? At one point, he's observing that that species of people that he finds. Uh, deltoids. Yeah. And he sees, and he says something about them having multiple pairings. Like some of them are basically polyamorous with other members. And he goes, tisk. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are you so judgy, Bob? Like polyamory is valid if they can, yeah. if they can <laughs> handle it, you can too. Calm down. Like... <laughs> It just seemed really judgy and sort of like very out of character. And that's the thing that like weirded me out about it. Because like Bob is not a judgy dude. That is weirdly out of character for him. Yeah. It took me out of the story. It must have been a very quick mention. Yeah. I I don't think it it must have not been brought up a lot. No. It was just the once. And I was like. I feel like. What? Yeah. The other thing that I found kind of weird about the book is that the ending seemed really forced and quick. And like uh, it was like he was. He had he had all these storylines going and then he was like, all right, got to wrap this up and just like big to bam, wrapped it up. There was like a minor skirmish space battle real quick. And then like, you know, one other that same other party that they had the space battle with at the beginning. And like everything mm-hmm. else didn't seem to like really wrap up. Like you don't know if all the people got ferried off of Earth and if they survived, you don't know how the human analog people are doing on that planet that's getting watched you don't know like there's all these things that you don't know about and he doesn't address it at all but you do have a random space battle with this like one sort of bad guy sort of character that is the other country's probe essentially that uh, he he should have just destroyed that mm-hmm. to begin with let's all just be real <laughs> so <laughs> and it was kind of out of the blue like it was like oh suddenly there's a bad guy again and you're like wait what <laughs> like this whole book has been and so it just seemed really like, jerky yeah i get what you mean like i do you know those shows where each season is only like maybe three episodes long and each episode's like an hour hour and a half you know practically a movie like sherlock you know what i mean like there's a few of them mm-hmm. yeah and but you know that there's going to be more episodes yeah that's kind of what it feels like to me because i did already know there were more books so i don't know i guess it it kind of had that same feeling like okay let me make sure i wrap up one of the storylines which is the foreign brobe that killed off a couple of his people and was causing problems so like he killed off the probe but yeah he only really like wrapped up one plot line i guess i'm i'm like i i wouldn't 
say I don't like that. Like, I think that's fine mm-hmm. to keep storylines going and stuff. But it's it was just like that particular one that he decided to wrap up was something that he hadn't discussed in 47 chapters because there's a lot of chapters in this book. He hadn't mm-hmm. discussed that in 47 chapters. And it was like out of the blue. And you're like, wait, what about all this other stuff? And there's no there's not even like a cliffhanger ending for them. It's just like. Mm-hmm. we're in the middle to be continued we're in the middle of political <laughs> no, no, yeah and there's not even there, but there's not even a signal of that and you're just like if i was reading this book and there hadn't been more out yet and i didn't know i'd be like mm-hmm. that was random and i it, what i mean it doesn't make me not want to read the yeah. other books but you know still yeah it doesn't feel like a ah i am satisfied that it's the end of the story yeah. everything is done yeah it's just something that like bothers me i do like books that are complete books um, yeah, that, no, completely fair. We've had this discussion before. I like a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> and yeah, no, yeah. totally fair. So yeah, but that was the only thing. Like, and that was just the last thing that I thought of when I was listening to them. Was like, wait, what? Um, so I had everything else about the book I really liked. Like, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I don't know that the title actually does appear in this book. Mm-mm. The We Are Legion. Mm-mm. They do mention Bobaverse though near the end when they figured out this whole like relay system and they figure out a way to kind of communicate with each other in almost real time. He does make some kind of reference to like you know yeah 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 like uh you know this is the Bobaverse and everyone else kind of goes oh really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's self-referential funny a lot, actually, this book. Yeah. Like, seems to understand that it's a book about this. <laughs> which it, is is- a, it is a funny book. I don't know that we've necessarily mentioned that. Like, it's yeah. it's really funny. I like it. Yeah. It's funny in a lot of different ways. Like, there's a lot of irony. There's a lot of uh, straight-up humor. There's a lot. There's a couple dad jokes. Like, it's it's funny in a bunch of different ways. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of, like, grown jokes where you're just like, dude, really? What's even happening right now? All right. Do you want to give this book a rating? Yeah. I, I Honestly, I'm going to go five out of five. Wow. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I can't think of something that I wish was different. Huh. Cool. I think I'd go like a 4.5 out of five just because of the ending. Like, Fair. I would yeah. I would like a better ending than that. But that's fine. Like a 4.5 is still really good. Do you think it's worth a reread? Yes. Yeah. Easily. I, like I actually, want I, I to could reread, reread it. it right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Is I want, <laughs> I would actually reread it right now. Like if I didn't, if I didn't have to read another book for this podcast, I would go reread that book. <laughs> uh, recommend it to a friend. Yeah, I think this is a book that I could happily, enthusiastically recommend to anybody and everybody. Yeah, I agree. I'm into it. I like it. I feel like anybody who's friends with me and enjoys like the like all the nerd culture references and things. Yeah, would also totally be into it. Yeah, same. If there are other books in this series, would you want to read them? Yes. And I think I actually have read at least one more in this series because I, I, can re- I can recall more plot than what this book covers. Yeah, I would, I would happily go on and read the next few books in the series or the whole series. Yeah. If this book were a starship, what starship would it be and why? Ooh, um, let's go with... Voyager, mm-hmm. which I don't actually remember if that's the name of the ship because I'm a terrible Star Trek fan. I think that's but still an the, Enterprise ship, no? Uh, maybe. It might be. Yep. <laughs> Again, I'm really bad at this. But the ship that Voyager used, uh, the the idea of like, no, we're going to send you like extra far out so you can do some extra far away exploring. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the case, definitely a Star Trek ship for sure. Yeah. I feel like that's those are science vessels and that's that's what this is so yeah 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 
if after you lived a very full and happy life and died of a peaceful and natural causes, if you had the opportunity to become an AI and do this, would you? It's hard to say because the person that I am now is not the person that I might be in another 40 years after having lived a long, full life. Because um, at that point, I might be like, no, I'm, I'm done. Peace out. Okay, if you uh, died today. I feel like if I died today, I would be much more likely to say, yeah, I'll be an AI. Cool. I'll, I'll learn about all the history things and all the future things. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm into that. Yeah. It, it seems like having... I don't know. You could just print a bunch of hard drives so you could know all this stuff. Instant access stuff would be cool. If you were chosen to be a Von Neumann probe, would you get along with your other selves? I think so. I think that I tend towards practicality and, you know, being reasonable when dealing with people. I think I feel like maybe the only problem with dealing with myself might be a lot of like, oh, no, no, no you go first. You go first. Go on. No, no, no you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that that might be an issue. But all around, I don't think the issue of us being aggressive with ourselves or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? If anything, I get bored of myself and want to move along because of that. Hmm, okay. I'm a boring person. No, you're not. I'm sorry to tell you. you are I don't not know a... why you started a podcast with me. You are not. You're the least boring person. That's the thing. <laughs> you have all this random interesting knowledge that I'm just like, wait, what? How do you know that? What? What? <laughs> How do you say that word? Um. <laughs> Von Neumann. <laughs> I I could not even imagine another me. Like I think I would be like I hate you go away to most of me. Like I think if we get oh. we would get a lot of things done. We would be very productive and we, meetings would be very snarky. I don't I don't I don't think that's a good idea. Interesting. <laughs> I, I think I would legitimately get along with myself. Yeah. Just fine. I'm not sure if I would. I <laughs> I think there's like it's a too many cook I'm I'm a I'm a boss lady. So I think I think, and I'm bossy. So I think that would, I would annoy myself with it. <laughs> I'd be like, don't boss me around. I'm me. I'm bossing you around. So if you could change anything about this book, what would it be? Oh my goodness. I feel like I give this answer a lot and I don't think that it's a bad answer to go with. It would be kind of interesting to get this from a female perspective. Yep. Would there be more of a I wish I had procreated? And because I feel like there's a bit more of a, a, a feminine pressure in that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I I am curious on how that might very slightly change the feelings around, you know, this replication and how the different children are different. And yeah, I I'm curious what that would look like, but I don't know that I would change it, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Like, But for the most part, no, I, I really can't think of anything that I would like actively like to change. Three words to describe this book. Science, space, computer. Yep, those are the ones. <laughs> I, would, I would agree with that. <laughs> hey, Morgan. What's up? What are we reading next? Oh, we're going to be reading Minimum Wage Magic by Rachel Aaron. And this looks really cute. I read a few of her other books about dragons in the US. It's 
very fun, very cute. If I'm remembering the right author, does that? Did you read those? Uh, I have not. No, I haven't read oh, this no, author I'm yet. I'm really hoping I'm right. If I'm not, I will not correct myself later. So moving <laughs> on, this is the book we're reading next. And uh, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, sounds like fun. I am excited to have a urban fantasy break because that is my wheelhouse. So I think this will be cool. As usual, rate this book if you did read it on your purchase platform. It helps out your authors. Rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it because it helps out us. And follow us on Instagram at Ladies Who Genre, all one word. Wait, I will go ahead and let you know. Yes, she wrote the books about dragons. Moving on. 